you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, so we didn't get around to the previews last time. I was thinking I was going to do them, and then one thing uh-huh. led to another. Shane had to hop off here, and I figured the people demand the team to break down these games, Shane. So, hey, we got a lot of games to break down, but before we get into that action, we got a lot of it, so I'm ready to just jump into it. I did want to share a little comment I found on Reddit. Okay. This one's pretty good. This comes from the Gamecocks. Read it, and I'm going to give this guy a shout out. His name is uh, Gingerbeard303. <laughs> what a name, huh? <laughs> and the uh, the Reddit thread, it says, please not Hugh Freeze. Change my mind. Someone's asking, you know, like, why should we hire Hugh Freeze? Mm-hmm. And old Gingerbeard303 says, after 100 years of football with no success, I don't fucking care if a serial <laughs> killer is the coach. Win, damn it. <laughs> Oh, man. Ain't that the truth, man? <laughs> that's like SEC that for you right there. Oh, man. I swear. It, and that's, I, I, there's been times, and, and you're just like, man, can we just start cheating already? You know, it's just like, you know, I, I know you're going to strip the championships and all that stuff, but let's just have fun for a couple years. In South Carolina, that's what they want. They just want to have a little fun. And it, it, sometimes I think, I think I think some of these old these old farts they get in their own way, you know. They they think about all the the you could you can overanalyze making a coaching selection, and I think it's hurt every university. They they've overthought, and next thing you know, somebody takes a chance on some of these guys, and you're looking at an undefeated season, saying, "Damn, I wish we would have pulled the trigger when we had a chance." So mm-hmm. I hope South Carolina doesn't do that. 
Yeah, speaking as one of those old farts, Shane. <laughs> I guess I want the guy that does it right, but I see what you're saying because at the end of the day, who in the hell cares as long as you get to experience that glory? You know what? Exactly, man. Exactly. But hey, we've uh, talked to a ton of the South Carolina coaching search this week. We've we got some games to break down, buddy. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, I'm going to start here in Athens. Bulldogs, sick them. Shane, we're the Bulldogs. Speculation, we already... Touched on it a little bit in the last show. Black jerseys. You know, Kirby tried to BS and pretend, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we've kind of talked about it, blah, blah, blah. They don't break these things out on a Thursday and for Saturday. They know what they're wearing. Yep. Certainly looks like it's going to be the black jerseys. Certainly sounds like I gave some bad information based on what we're hearing, Shane. It certainly sounds like JT Daniels going to be the guy this week nothing confirmed they won't talk about it don't want to give mississippi state an edge so i think they're playing the worst football of the sec but we still can't give them an edge if we're georgia thoughts on that shade on potentially seeing jt daniels and kind of the big storyline here in athens i know it's not in that locker room and it's not on the coaching staff or anything but seeing it from a lot of the fan base where you know we're trying to figure out what are we playing for now that we've lost this Florida and Alabama game, and because the standard is so high in Athens, and there's no chance we're making the playoffs, so I don't know. Do you think it'll be tough to motivate these guys? No, no, and I, I just wish they wouldn't make it a secret, Mike, uh, because this is now not the game of the week. Not not a lot of folks are looking for. I hate outside of Athens and and Mississippi State. There's not a lot of teams looking forward to this game, but. You have an opportunity. I, I think it's just kind of a surprise that the PR didn't come out and say, hey, we're wearing the black uniforms. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a new quarterback because I think more people are more likely to tune in to, to see them Georgia Bulldogs if we got a new quarterback under center. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the potential of seeing JT Daniels? Because to me, it's so weird that uh, we've not seen him. Yeah. No, this is this is huge, Mike. And if it's true, if JT's coming out, this is what we were promised at the start of the season. So you saw what life is like without him. Let's see what the future holds with him. So uh, I think this is big and, and, and exciting. So let's kick it over to Kirby Shane, who, of course, he's coy on everything. Talks yeah. about Stetson <laughs> and, and JT and the motivation to play. And then I thought, uh, you know, I know where your stance is on this, so I thought you'd really appreciate his thoughts on guys opting out. Mm-hmm. You know, in particular, we've seen a lot of guys opt out that certainly are not going to be first-round picks, and he kind of questions 
you know, the logic in some of these decisions, it certainly sounds like. Hey, Coach, uh, staying with the quarterback theme, uh, uh, how is uh, Stetson's shoulder, you know, coming along? Kind of what stood out about the competition, I guess you want to call it that, this past week? And, and can you reveal yet who's going to be your starter for Saturday? Stetson's uh, bouncing back. He's still dinged up a little bit. Um, he's out there at practice each day doing all he could. He's still been limited a little bit. But we didn't do, we haven't done anything since Thursday. So uh, in terms of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, treatment, recovery, um, getting himself uh, back in a position that he can uh, play and compete uh, at a high level. And that's the hopes for this week is him to do the same. I don't know exactly where he is until after uh, practice today. Well, what about the competition last week? And you know he's going to be your starter on Saturday yet? No, this, the competition is going to continue throughout practice like it did last week. Kirby, when, when you've got a situation like this, and, and your situation right now doesn't fit it to a T because you're not mathematically eliminated from playing for an SEC championship game, but is, is there a balance that comes between kind of playing for the future and getting guys ready, but also kind of saying, listen, doesn't matter matter how we win, you got to find a way to win and, and honor these guys that have been around the program and, and, and for culture purposes. Yeah, I don't know that there's a – the balance is to win this football game. That's the only balance I know is that we're trying to attack each day that we're developing our roster in practice and getting better and competitive reps. And we're trying to win football games because for us, that's the ultimate goal. That's what we want to do. We want to grow and get better. We don't control our destiny, certainly, but we do control our attitude, our effort, uh, the way we approach things, uh, the positive attitude with which we take the practice field each day and making sure that, that my point in, is to help my, my teammate. You know, it's, it's bigger than me. Um, and that's the focus. Uh, within that, all those things you said are true. Yeah, we're worried about the future of our players and, and the guys that are, that are growing, but they're going to do that every day in practice with the reps we take, how they approach them. It's not to do just with games. Um, games, we want to play the guys that give us the best opportunity to win the game. Kirby, we've seen it in a couple other programs. Guys are opting out on the season with games remaining. I know during the bowl season, you were understanding of a couple of your players skipping the bowl. What do you think of, about the players' commitment to finishing a regular season versus the bowl? I think it'll be measured when they get to the next level. You know, so, some pundit or some some uh, critic would say, well, that's easy for you to say. They need to worry about their NFL careers. Well, I, I've learned those NFL careers are not for long, and especially for guys that aren't first-rounders. If you've got a bona fide first-rounder, that's a completely different subject. Um, that's not the case in the case of these. It's a lot of these opt-outs. And our kids are, you know, they, they care about each other. They want to win. They want to have um, a productive season. And at the end of the day, they want to improve their draft stock. How does it really look upon you? that you opt out to go train and not play, if you're a first-round pick, that's that's an easy decision. But when you're not, you know, uh, they, they take thought into that. The, the NFL general managers and scouts, all the people that we talk to, 100%, they're going to think about that. And that makes them think about, was well, this, this the best decision for him right now? Because I want to evaluate. I mean, what are they going to work out for? We don't know if there's going to be a pro day. What we know is we play Mississippi State at 730 on Saturday night, and uh, that's an opportunity for you to go showcase what you can do against really good competition. Hey, Kirby, is there any sort of update on, on Stetson and whether or not he's been able to practice? And then with JT having played and played well against a Mike Leach coach team before, do you think that helps him or gives him a little bit of an extra edge? Mm, I don't know because, I mean, he didn't play against Mike. I mean, it wasn't a Mike Leach coach defense. 
So I don't, I don't know where that would benefit because the coordinator's not the same, you know what I mean? So he's not, he's not playing against their offense. Uh, he's playing against their defense. Um, and same thing with Stetson. He was out there and able to go uh, uh, today and do things. And he and Dewan and JT and Carson all got work. Speaking of JT Daniels, uh, what have you seen different from him when he first arrived as to him now? Now, like uh, working with the ones, what is what have you seen differently? Well, he hasn't always worked with the ones, so I don't know where you would speculate that from. But his mobility, his mobility has been better. There you got it from Kirby. You know, he's not giving away too much, but, you know, I thought his opt-out talk was certainly interesting and just spieling here with you because, of course, he didn't name anyone. He's got, not going to throw anyone under the bus. And yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, well, George doesn't even have any opt-outs. So, you know, we just had uh, Richard LeCount, even though he had his unfortunate, you know, motorcycle, dirt bike incident, whatever it was, he's not opting out. But then it hit me. Oh, we've had an opt-out in Athens, Shane. Maybe Kirby's talking about Jamie Newman. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to start anything because he he could have just been talking about anybody. But, you know, I thought some strong comments here from Kirby. Well, and don't don't forget, doesn't mean just because he hasn't had any opt-outs doesn't mean he's not going to. Uh, This could be just strong words for the team, the players that are on his team now, Mm -hmm. because you got to remember there's a vetting process that comes on when you're, when you're drafted by one of the, I mean, they're, they're investing millions of dollars. So they're going to turn over every rock and, and they're going to get to bottom of every player before they, they take that, that financial plunge and, and just pick somebody up. So yeah, if you got somebody to opt out, uh, they're still going to call the coach. They're going to see how, how he was, how, you know, uh, what, why did he opt out? Is his, does he have a good reason? Was he, was he all in when he was down there? Because they're not going to want a player that's not all the way in to their college team. Cause you know, they're not going to be fully invested in the pro team. So mm-hmm. I, I think, um, I think you're right. This, and it's easy, man, that little devil on your shoulder whispering saying, Hey, you can make all this money. We could go right now. You know, you got these, the, you know, these, these snakes, man, some of these agents, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear so that they can lock up some commission. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, your head ball coach, if he tells you it's not a good idea because of maybe lost revenue or potential in the NFL draft, you, you should listen to him because trust me, Kirby's put a lot of damn people in the, and I'm not saying again on Georgia or anything like that, but a lot of these head coaches have put a lot of players in the NFL. So they know, uh, the ramifications of, of going too soon. Right. And I also think it's important to note, you know, cause all these coaches they say the damn same thing when someone leaves or transfer or opt out or what have you, you know, we wish them well, Yeah, they're not going to bash them publicly, but when these NFL evaluators ask them, they're going to be honest and it's not to, to bash the guys or anything like that, but you know, it goes both ways. If, if Kirby smart, and I'm not even thinking of anyone in particular, so I'm not trying to bash anybody. But if he's asked about a guy and he didn't have a good experience with him, I think he's going to say that because yep. there's going to be times when Kirby may have, you know, his rosters are so loaded. There's going to be times where he maybe he's got a, I'm thinking probably defensive player, especially because they, they're they so deep on that side of the ball. They don't have, you know, some of these guys are not able to rack up all these stats. But he can sell to an NFL team, hey, this guy didn't get on the field a ton but he's an NFL playmaker, 
And if, if he's honest about the negative, he's going to be honest about the positive, and it's just going to help his program if, as long as he's transparent with these NFL guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Hey, final thing on Georgia real quick. Just wanted to make this note because I talked about it on the last episode. The Bulldogs, Shane, landed themselves another five-star Oh, shocker. Smile Munden. <laughs> the Georgia linebacker commits What's to his name? Smile Munden nice. over Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, Florida. So oh, no surprise yeah. when you got a five-star in the state of Georgia who plays defense, Kirby's going to lock him up. Bulldogs now got a top-five recruiting class, and they still got room to improve. So, hey, same old story there in Georgia. They're going to be loaded for a long time. This is why you don't follow Twitter, Mike, you know, because sometimes, I mean, he's, he got them likes, he got, he got them volunteers all pumped up, but you knew what was going to happen. That's why I was like, you know, I'm not even going to get involved here. So <laughs> kudos to you, Georgia, but you didn't get me this time. <laughs> all right. Flipping to the other side of this one, Shane, let's kick it on down to Starkville. Well, my goodness, Shane, we just had another opt out here at Mississippi State, Nathan Pickering, one of the mm. best players. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't say best players. That, that wouldn't be fair, but one of the most talented players on the roster. He was a former top 100 recruit. We've got 17 guys, Shane, since Mike Leach has taken over that have left the program via transfer or opt out. And this is part of the reason why Mississippi State can't field a damn team some of these times. It's not so much COVID. It's, you know, a lot of it is Hell, we've been devastated with guys leaving the program. Uh, things are clearly not going well. And uh, we'll get to Mike Leach's comments here in a minute, but sounds like he's not having any bit of fun down there. He's struggling to get through even these pressers. But, uh, you know, if you want to talk about a team, that what do they got to play for? I mean, I shouldn't necessarily say that because there is a lot of underclassmen that are playing for Mississippi State. I think this is just part of the growing pains of a – building a program here but I don't know what do you want to see from Mississippi State this week as they head into uh you know probably the toughest team they're going to see the rest of the way I just want to see them have fun Mike I mean we're at we're at we're at that point that I I I hate to say it that wins and losses don't matter because they do but this is also I don't know it's an audition for some of these kids to to showcase their talent and what they can do on this team so um, I, I just kind of hope, you know, you got a, you got a thin roster as it is. Just, just cut them loose. Let's, let's have some fun and, and let's, let's make the air raid fun because that's what sells to recruits is, is just, it's just the yardage, man. It's the touchdowns. It's, it's, it's getting these guys as, as many opportunities as you can on the outside. So that's what I want to see, Mike. And if they've got some players, maybe on defense, that they need to bring over on offense and teach them a handful of routes to run. That's what we should do, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Mike Leach here, who you can tell he's getting frustrated with these day of COVID rules. He sounds like Cousin Shane, and he's asked to break down Georgia. I mean, I, the only reason I include this clip, because this is basically how he answered all his questions. So I'm using the, the funniest, best stuff he's got here. And then on how difficult this year has been, this was probably the longest answer he gave, and it's still it's pretty ish. Pretty short one. Mike, I guess kind of following up on that, uh, do you feel like you're going to have enough guys above that threshold to be able to play this weekend? I hope so. I hope so. You know, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball on this, and some of these cat science is different, so who knows? You know, everybody follows the science, but none of the science uh, 
is congruent. It all contradicts one another. So I'll just follow their process and, uh, and, uh, and go the direction they point me. So coach, what, uh, what stands out about Georgia and your film review of them? <clears throat> a veteran, big physical, uh, I think that kind of covers a veteran, big physical. Yeah. And then, uh, and, you know, play with uh, a certain amount of uh, passion, aggression, uh, you know, obviously one of the better teams in the league. So. Mike, obviously this is an incredibly unprecedented season and, you know, you guys going from not being able to play last week against Auburn and now, getting ready for this matchup, but, you know, you could end up playing someone else and the schedules these last four weeks could end up changing. How, how kind of difficult or frustrating has this kind of been? I know everyone's dealing with the same thing, but how frustrating has it been and how have you been like keeping your guys kind of in gear to not, you know, get too caught up in any distractions with this stuff? Well, the distractions have been very frustrating. I think they have for everybody, fans and and everybody. Um, But we try to, you know, just during practice, you know, uh, uh, just lock into practice. And to be perfectly honest, I think practice has been one of the most uh, pleasant reliefs that uh, our players have had. And I'm sure it's probably the case around the country. I mean, <clears throat> practice is that one portion where you get to get away from things and uh, just kind of, you know, lock into your teammates and and go out and try to improve. So I think that uh, – Practice has actually been kind of a relief in a lot of instances this year. All right, Shane. So, you know, going into a tough game here, obviously, but the following week, I know this is probably going to sneak up on you, snuck up on me. Next week is the Egg Bowl, Shane. Mm. So I really want to see, you know, you're going into a game where you're a damn 30-something point underdog. Of course, you kind of were something similar the first week too, but I know that was such a long time ago, but – yeah. You don't want to see some progress here from Mississippi State's offense because there's a chance, and I know Mississippi State fans are smarting from, you know, the tough year that they've had, but there's a chance where you kind of build some momentum and, you know, imagine we're hearing all the great stuff about the lane train and how he's throwing his clipboard and they're <laughs> auctioning off this, they're auctioning off that, they're collecting pennies over there. Your season could turn around quickly. And yep. I know I know the season wouldn't be great, but hell, if you capture that egg bowl, all of a sudden you still got bragging rights the next three sixty four. So I think there's a lot on the line here for Mississippi State the next couple of weeks. I think so too, Mike, because you know, these first years, both programs, they're gonna have to do a lot of in state recruiting. And you want to be the fun, exciting team. And right now, Ole Miss has that. The Mississippi State had it there for a minute at the start of the season. But the Rebels clearly are in the captain's seat. So the best way of doing that is preparing this week for that Egg Bowl because you're right. After that one, it's just bragging rights for 11 months and 29 days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, buddy. Let's uh, jump on down next to Auburn. Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48. 45. Where we it's going to be 21 days till we kick off here. The Tigers are coming off of just you know a game where they just destroyed LSU 48 to 11. They dominated that second half and they're going to play a struggling Tennessee team. Now, this is kind of similar though what we saw in 2018, Shane. I looked it up. Tennessee was coming off 
you know, back-to-back embarrassing losses to Florida and Georgia. People wondering if Jeremy Pruitt even knows how to coach a damn team. He's a he's a good coordinator, but I don't know if he's a head coach. And then he went down to the Plains as a double-digit underdog. Got the biggest win of his first year there at Tennessee. So you seeing some similarities here with this matchup against Auburn, Shane? No. In fact, I think this is the dumbest <laughs> damn questions that they ask. It's like, like, you remember two years ago? Oh, yeah. Well, we don't have half that roster, and they don't either. So <laughs> all right, we got new offensive coordinators. It's, it's totally different. I, I, I get that the scores look the same, the records look similar, but no, this is, this is a, this is two different things, two different teams. And uh, so I don't, I'm not a huge fan of these comparisons, man. Mm -hmm. Now, are you thinking that uh, now certainly Auburn is the favorite and they deserve to be in this matchup. But Mm -hmm. if you look at their four and two record, I mean, it makes them look like one of the better teams in the SEC. Are you buying that right now heading into this matchup? Uh, a little bit now, just because, you know, there are obviously two questionable wins on their on their record right now. But the way Auburn's been playing lately has shown vast improvement. So I, I think this is definitely a better team than we saw week one for sure, man. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it on over to Gus. Shane, he was asked about Jared Garantano. I thought this was kind of a funny response on losing to Tennessee in 2018, mm-hmm. on not having a game here in three weeks, and then on uh, the potential of overlooking Tennessee. Coach, uh, from the last time you saw uh, Jarrett Garantano to, to now, what kind of development have you seen from the Tennessee quarterback, Coach? Well, I mean, you can tell he's a veteran guy, and, you know, he's played a lot of ball. And, you know, in our league, there's nothing nothing like experience, especially at the quarterback position, because uh, our league's different than other leagues. And he's played a lot of football and uh, has a lot of experience. Hey, Gus, going back to that game two years ago, you guys did exactly what you wanted in terms of making them one-dimensional, but they converted like 10 third downs, and I think like four of them were third and tens. They converted a lot of third and longs. How, how frustrating is that to go through a day like that when, like I said, you make them one-dimensional, they just kind of kept making plays on the perimeter? Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a very, very tough loss, there's no doubt. And it was just, you know, it was all things considered. We turned the ball over and – uh, they made some plays when they had to, and we, we didn't play real real well that day, and they had something to do with it, and they played well. That was a tough loss, and so um, you know we're we're glad to be having another chance to play them again. Can you sense the players are eager to play a game again after being out for so long from a game action? No doubt. I mean, they're, they're just ready to to get back and play. Um, like I said, it was just really strange from the standpoint that we dealt with the COVID. We didn't practice for a couple of days and we found out we weren't playing and you have a new opponent and, you know, that's a lot of stuff, you know, and so our guys, uh, you know, like I said, the best thing about it, we're back in game week routine. Uh, we're playing a team that, um, you know, I think is a talented team and a team that came in here and gave us a very, very tough loss uh, two years ago for the older guys who were part of that. So, like I said, we're we're ready to to get back on the field, especially playing at home. Like I said, playing at night, and then playing at a te- playing it against a team that uh, you know that uh, we're looking forward to playing. Is this one of those weeks you're going to count on your team leaders to make sure everybody takes it seriously, even though Tennessee on a little losing streak? You know, I, this year is uh, is uh, you're taking everybody serious. I mean, it. it I mean, uh, yeah, we will rely on our leaders, but. You can't overlook anyone, 
and like I said, they got the majority of their guys back, you know, from last year, and they had what a six or eight game win streak. So, you know, we got to have our A game every single week. We're taking it one game at a time. I know that sounds like coach speak, but that's exactly what we're doing. We have respect for them. Like I said, two years ago they came in here and knocked us off, and uh, so we, we this is the next game up. And like I said, we played our best game two weeks ago. We got to keep building upon it, and it's really as simple as that. And uh, you know, so I, I think our guys will not be overlooking anyone. All right, Shane. So I think you hit on a really good point there because Auburn is playing really well. Dominated LSU the week prior. Could have easily lost that game to Ole Miss, but they rallied and they made the plays. Say what you want about the ending. They made the plays when they had to. Bo Nix, game-winning drive to Seth Williams. So they, you know, they deserve that one for sure. Well, now now I'm thinking about the other controversy. <laughs> but hey, but by the time <laughs> when the final whistle blew, they had they had earned that last drive, at least we'll give them that. But any concern that you know, you want bye weeks during the season, but hell, do you want three weeks off? I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know if Auburn's a team that, you know, was poised to take that many days off and come back sharp. So any concern with that? Yeah, it, it's funny because you, when you think of bye weeks, I think there's a lot of teams that need them for adjustment. I think that I think the bye week was huge for the Tennessee Volunteers more than it was Auburn because, like I said, they were starting to hit on all cylinders, and now you take a break. Um, that, that just, when you get out of that routine, that mindset, because, you know, game week has a certain, has a certain ring to it. And these guys were prepping and all of a sudden it's, 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 you know, you've got that by an updated bye week. So I, I think, I think that hurts more for Auburn than it did Tennessee. Tennessee had, I mean, they, they, they were doing the opposite. They're spiraling, man. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying, they're grabbing at, at everything they can just to, to, to have some sort of resemblance of the team we saw week one. And and um, I, I think this bye week was exactly what they needed. All right, so let's kick it over to the other side, Shay. Let's go on down to Rocky Top where, you know, we're not revealing who's going to be quarterback. I think <laughs> last week if we played a game, it would have been Harrison Bailey. But uh, Garantano's back at practice, so is he back in the mix? I don't know. That's something – I bet you probably don't even want to talk about. So how about? Nope, <laughs> not at all. I don't give a shit how good practice was, Mike. <laughs> how about the fact that Jeremy Pruitt, you know, basically his entire career until I believe last year, I mean, he's faced Gus Malzahn's Auburn program, whether he was at Alabama, whether he was at Florida State, whether he was at Georgia, and then here he gets the Tennessee job, and look who's on the schedule, Gus Malzahn. Pruitt's won a lot of those matchups, certainly won the latest one, is that something that you think could help your Tennessee Vols as they go into this matchup? Um, yeah, I, I think I think that would probably that would give them a little advantage. Experience, you know, game prepping for a Gus Malzahn team, um, a team that he's been successful at even when he was with Alabama. So um, I think there's a little added benefit there, but again. You know, we're we're just grabbing straws here. I, I think the big thing for coach here is uh, is is his players, and and I know he he I give him a hard time about Garantano and practice and all that stuff, but um, you know they Tennessee got away from some fun, fundamental play the the last few weeks, and I and I'm hoping that's what they were able to to repair during this bye week. Is it's just 
simple things, the tackling, the, uh, the, uh, knowing your, your schemes up front on the offensive line and, and, and yeah, your check downs, if you're a quarterback, there's just those little things that you get away from because you're so focused on game prep. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I, I'm hoping that that's what they, that they fix is that they kind of got back to a little bit of that fall camp mentality, uh, last week. All right, well, let's kick it over to uh, Coach Pruitt Shane, who talks about uh, how different Auburn's offense is looking with Chad Morris running it on the quarterbacks, Garantano and Harrison Bailey, and uh, on the fact that uh, Garantano, you can make the case, the best game he's ever played of his life was against Auburn. (laughs) Been downhill ever since. (laughs) Jeremy, after the Auburn-Georgia game, October, Kirby said that was not a Gus Malzahn offense. That was a Chad Morris offense. I didn't know if you've seen uh, differences between what Chad's done compared to what Gus likes to do without giving away trade secrets. Well, to me, they're they're uh, very. I, I coached against Chad when he was at Clemson, uh, and so they kind of come from the same family of of offensive football. Uh, so there there is some familiarity there. Um, I, I probably see some of the things that Kirby probably was talking about. Uh, maybe because so, we have lots of history, right? So I'm sitting there, Coach Ansley's showing tape yesterday to the players, and I'm sitting there looking and I'm trying to figure out what year this video actually was, you know, and it's like 2013, you know. So, um, but we have lots of history um, and. I, I will say this, there, there's, you can see that Chad has his uh, thumbprint on it, uh, maybe more so than, than Gus, but there's still a lot of things in flavor that shows up that's, that's you know, it's still Gus Malzahn's offense. And I wanted to ask about the game two years ago. Obviously, y'all had trouble running the football down there, but the way Jared played, and I think y'all converted like 10 third downs, and it seems like a lot of them were third and long. Was that, I mean, given the magnitude and beating a top 25 team on the road, is that uh, as good of a performance as Jarrett's had? Well, um, he, he played really good that day. Uh, you're right, we couldn't run the ball. Uh, you know, we, we couldn't block them up front. They had a very good defensive front. And, uh, you know, we, I felt like our wide receivers made a lot of plays that day. Uh, our O-line held up in protection enough for us to get the ball out. Um, you know, it was very typical. Um, I think the score might have been 17 to zero. Uh, I might be wrong there, but um, kind of had a history there playing against Auburn that seems like if you can get through the first couple of drives, uh, they, they play so fast and just getting accustomed to playing them. You know, I was telling the, the defensive guys yesterday, if you look, the teams that kind of play Auburn every year, have more familiarity uh, with how the offense is run and uh, teams that that don't play them every year um, seem to struggle. So it's important to understand what Auburn tries to do philosophically on offense. Uh, and, and we've really worked hard um, yesterday to kind of get that ingrained to our defensive players. Well, he he practiced yesterday, um, you know, but all the other guys took a lot of reps this over the last uh, three practices. So, uh, you know, it'll it'll we'll see how the rest of the week goes here. 
Uh, but I, I was really excited about how these other guys continued to work. Uh, and I thought Jarrett had a good day yesterday. So, um, it, to me, it seems to be a little more confidence um, offensively, especially with our younger guys, uh, just having a, a, a better idea uh, to how to execute at a higher level. Jeremy, last week you talked to us about, you know, needing to be able to drive the ball down the field more and create explosive plays. What did you see from your offense in terms of a growth in, in that aspect this week? And then you mentioned Harrison Bailey had a solid week of practice. Where did you see him grow the most this week? Well, just command. Um, you know, it's it's when you, when you are comfortable doing something, um, running an offense, uh, you know, whatever it is, right? You 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 have confidence, right? And and um, your peers can see it. Uh, you can't fake confidence. You know, it's either natural or it's not. Um, so, uh, and and that's not to take anything away from him. But the more you do something, the more comfortable you get at it, and uh, the better you feel, and the more confident you are. And I, and you can see that when you just the the simplicity of of um, communicating the calls, right, all the way across the board, you know. So uh, it, it, you're, you're talking about a, um, um, a young guy that sitting here, he got to tell, he got to tell Trey Smith which guy he's, he's supposed to block on this run play right here, you know, the Mike's 42 or whatever. We're working to 42, you know, just some of that, you know. So nothing different than any that you see out of any freshman right it's no different than Tamarian mcdonald uh making all the calls in the secondary you know or or last year henry toa toa um you know when daniel batuli was out you know having to having to be kind of the quarterback of the defense you know it's something that you you uh you the more you do it the more you gain confidence in and everybody sees it all right, Shane, so I think you, you made a good point there, and it's kind of interesting you said that because I was going to go to that same point just given the fact how much Tennessee you know, time they've had since their last game too kind of has been a camp mentality, and it's the opposite of Auburn. You know, they weren't going in red hot. They were going, at, going in about as poor as you can go. So, you know, it could really play in their advantage as well. And if there is a quarterback change, and maybe even if, it doesn't even have to be as drastic as a quarterback change, even though many people like yourself think that's needed anyway. Maybe that's given you know a lot of young receivers or defensive players or just talent, an infusion of talent, time to get up to speed in time for this Auburn game. So has that given you any hope that maybe we'll see some life from this Tennessee team? Yes, that it does. Because you got to remember it was a few weeks ago, uh, Toto was you know, sending out cryptic tweets with backup quarterbacks so it, it just kind of makes you you know i'm not saying that that toto is the the heart of this team but he's a he's a he's a pretty big captain on that defensive side of the ball and uh i would imagine he has a, a presence in the locker room and so if he's not trusting your quarterback then yeah a change is what you need and i think the biggest thing man and i'm just i'm being brutally honest here was coach boom getting fired because I, you know, they're friends. Uh, Muschamp and Pruitt are, are buds, and I'm sure they've talked all week. And you look at some of the things that that bit Muschamp in the ass this year. Some are, they're they're upset about the quarterback situation. They're mm -hmm. they're upset that there was that he's not uh, 
pulled heel and tried something different because it's not working here. It started out great, but it, so you could make that same argument on on our on Tennessee's team, Garantano struggling now, and you, you're gonna you're gonna live and die with your quarterback. And and yeah, you've got some great recruits coming in. You've you've got a young team, but you may not get to experience that because you're you're too stubborn and, and letting some of these young kids play 2020 is a throwaway year for Tennessee, man. Uh, there's, there's no chance for an SEC championship. There's no chance for a college playoff. It's like, it, it is a preseason to 2021. So let the young kids play. And I think that's what's going to happen uh, this week. And I, that's, that fires up a team, man, is when we're like, okay, new chapter, let's do this. You know, when you say something, Shane, and it makes me think of something else I get real happy <laughs> because I I had never thought of this and you it's like a light bulb went off in my head you know there has been much made about this infamous coach text thread that we got in the SEC uh-huh. Pruitt Muschamp Kiffin and Kirby Smart and do you know mm-hmm. what they all have in common they all got one dad <laughs> that's true but what i was going for is they've all faced auburn or jeremy pruitt's going into it so you better believe he's probably been hitting them up they've all had success against them the Kif- mm-hmm. kiffin's the only one that lost to him and that was again some controversial so they've all had success against auburn yeah so i'm what i bet he's reached out to all those guys on how to handle this thing and um you know Definitely. not not saying that tips the scales or anything but just something to think about no, that's a good point. And I didn't even think of that. So, all right, Chad, nice. Next, next <laughs> let's uh, jump on down to the Battle of Columbia. Let's go to South Carolina first, where you know we've covered so much about uh, the coach search and coach odds and <laughs> just everything <laughs> and everything. But hell, we got a game to play this weekend too, buddy. Let's not overlook that one. Uh huh. And. You know, I tried to hit home the point on the last one. This is going to be damn last man standing because we got opt-outs, we got transfers, we got injuries, and we got coaching firings. I mean, this is – and this was already one of these games annually, South Carolina-Missouri. You just never know who the hell is going to win it. I mean, it it was already one of the most yeah, wild yeah. games. So You think of that – I think of that rain game with mm-hmm. the golden goose, you know. <laughs> is there no trophy for this thing? I think there is. Uh, I think it's – no, they do have a they have a trophy here, Shane. What uh, what's the trophy? It's called the Mayor's Cup. Oh, they missed the boat on that one. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the Mayor's the Mayor's boat? Mayor's coat? Cup. Wait, I'm lost. Oh, Mayor's Cup. I guess it's because they're both from Columbia. But that I don't I don't get that one. What's the Mayor's Cup? That makes they uh, they missed that one, man. Here's what I do. I get Columbia, the outfitters, to sponsor this thing and do a green fleece. You know how they got – that's like they're, what they're known for, those those fleece jackets. Right. And then you, like, just exchange it every year. Like, if you win, the head coach gives the the green jacket. Like the Masters, you know, Ooh. like Tiger Woods was putting it on. Yeah, Johnson. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Why don't, they, why don't they call it the Columbia fleece or something? Yeah, Columbia fleece. They could, it's, this could work, Mike. They really they should do something better. So better than the. <laughs> We're gonna get so many uh, hate responses about this damn mayor's cup and how how prestigious it is. 
Jim Mayer started this thing back in 1855. And no, I don't, I don't know of any mayors. I mean, they haven't been playing that long, so it has to be a recent thing. Right. Know? They've only faced each other 10 times. Well, 10 times ago, somebody started the stupid mayor's <laughs> cup. So they missed the boat, Mike. <laughs> but Hey, so before we get to Mike Bobo's comments, you know, yeah. I've said something similar, I guess for Mississippi state. And now it's looking pretty stupid. So I wanted to ask you this, Shane. I know we've had some opt-outs and, you know, some really good players have opted out here. Certainly you want those guys, but, you know, I can appreciate what Mike Bobo says here because it's, you know, it's about the guys that are there and it's the guys that are bought in. And certainly you'd want players like J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu on your roster if you, you know, if they want to be there. But is it almost a, a scenario where, you know, if those guys were only half in, half out, and kind of loafing around and, and doing whatever the hell they want, I mean, I think you're better off them not being with the program the last couple of weeks. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I don't want to speculate, Mike, because we don't know. Um, they could have been a positive motivating factor in those locker rooms. But, yeah, uh, part of me thinks if you're opting out that – I'm not saying that you don't care about your team, but it's almost like – I couldn't imagine. I'm, I'm not saying I had an opportunity to, to go anywhere, but just quitting halfway through the season when shit got tough, that, that just, that, I, I think that's a, I don't know. It's, it's not fair because it's, it's college football is 2020. Things are weird, but mm -hmm. you know, the opt out was there because of COVID and you know, if you didn't feel safe or you had family members or some folks that had kids and stuff like that, you know, so they had, they had other things to do, but this just feels like sore losers. This and I again, not there. Don't know the situation, but like I said, things get tough. You can't just tuck tail and go. You know that that just shows me that you weren't invested into this team to begin with. So mm -hmm. I think that's why you see Shy Smith sticking around because he he's he's South Carolina man. He, he's he's the new Connor Shaw. It almost feels like so. It, it's just that's that's the mentality you want. So having you know. Uh, we call them VFLs I'm, at Tennessee. I'm sure they call them something there at uh, in South Carolina. Do you know? But anyway, it's just you get. That's what I think Mike needs to do is, is bring some more of these players, some of these old players, back into the campus. Just you know, just to let them know that this is more than than you know one season. This is this is bigger than than football. You leave. It's you. You'll never have the opportunity to come back. They'll never put on a college jersey again, and. I, I think this is this is a good time to rally around your team, and and I think that's what's going to happen, Mike. I really do. I, I think I think you're going to see a new team come out Saturday with South Carolina, and you're going to see a lot more young talent, and maybe that's what this need, this team needed that little spark. So, yeah, maybe that, you know, get, we got rid of the baggage. Let's let's move on. We got a new team to look forward to. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane. So let's kick it over to uh, Mike Bobo, who says kind of a lot of that's. Uh, shame spiel you got there on you know his his message to the team on you know basically this will be in the end of the opt-outs as far as he's concerned and then he hits on guys like shy smith that are putting everything they can into this and i really liked his comments here about uh zaquandre white you know who could be at a lot of programs maybe the top running back but hey they need him on defense right now he's giving it all for south carolina and you got to appreciate guys like this 
when you met with the team this morning, just what'd you talk to them about? What was the tone of that meeting? What was their attitude uh, going on to the practice? Uh, we talked about uh, it being about us. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, it's not an individual sport, it's a team sport. And the people that are in this room today uh, showed up and are ready to go to work. And we're going to put our best foot forward to put our best uh, effort on the field on Saturday. And the only way that's going to happen is not through words, but through action uh, and having a good practice today, one tomorrow. Uh, you know, and those are our two work days, Tuesday and Wednesday. So that was the main message. Mike, you mentioned yesterday that it had been a long year for these kids. Do you think that was part of the reason you've had four guys leave um, under these circumstances this week? Well, I, I think that obviously uh, could attribute to it. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak personally for each one of those guys because you don't you only know uh, you don't know exactly what's going on with 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 each individual. Now, you know, there was you know communication with all these guys. Uh, I mean, it's 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 been a long year. It's a different year, uh, and you know when. You know, it's told to, to young kids that, you know, hey, you don't, you don't have to play this year. You can opt out and it doesn't count. Uh, you know, it, it, gives, it gives them a way out, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's like anything, human nature, you know, I, I'll put it off to later. I'll start working, you know, harder later in the spring or, you know, I'll wait till next year. Uh, and, you know, and that's, you know, unfortunately uh, – I think that's this isn't this isn't the only place that 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 coaches are you know having issues with the long season and the, the ability to opt out, and I think that's why it's so important that you know it, it is you know it is a team game. It is about us. It's not not about you individually. And everybody's got their own reasons of why they do it. And and uh, you know there's there's no hard feelings to anybody. Uh, but the guys that are here, uh, it's got to be about us and not uh, the individual. Do you have any indication that you'll hear from more, or do you think this is it? I think this is. I think this is it. But you know, you never know. Uh, you know, we've had communication with all the guys. You know, the last two day, two days. Uh, you know, coaches individually uh, with their position groups. You know, one on one. Uh, myself with a number of guys, and you know, I feel like these guys want to play and play for each other. Uh, and now we got to have a good week of practice and get ready to play Saturday night. But you never know, to be honest. Uh, you had two of your leaders, uh, well, four guys opt out, but two in particular, the two leaders on defense. So Shai Smith has been a, a leader for you, I guess, for the overall team and on offense as well in particular. What have your conversations been like with him, considering he's having a great year and is looking to the draft as well? Did you have to talk with him to convince him to stay? Did that ever come up? Or has he been 100% all in with you since this happened? I, I, I tell you what, I've, I've been proud of you know, Shy Smith. You hear, you hear a lot of things when you when you when you take over a place, and you know what guy's been. And, and we've challenged Shy since day one, and he's responded. Uh, is he perfect? No, nobody's. None of us are sitting here, me talking, or none of these players. Uh, but I've been proud of how he's competed. I've been proud of uh, the way he's been a good team guy when the ball's not coming to him. Uh, and you know, funny you ask that question on the plane ride home. Uh, he, nobody was in the seat next to him. Uh, we've kind of, he was on the plane early and I just went over there, you know, and, and, and talked to him about, you know, how proud I was of him, how he's worked and how he's, what he got, he's continued to do, you know, to improve him, to improve himself, uh, not only for this team, uh, and, but for, you know, for down the road and, and, 
you know, kind of the message to Shaf since we got here uh, has been it's not about you, it's about the team. And if it's about the team, your play, your play all right, will improve greatly. If it's just about you, your play's going to suffer and the team's play's going to suffer. Uh, and that was the message to the team this morning. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Coach T-Rob. It's not about Coach Wolf. It's about us. Uh, and so that's the message. You know, I want guys that it's about us uh, to take the field with. And then, you know, if we do that, we work hard, and, and they, they lay it on the line, then, you know, you put your head down at night and go to sleep and have some peace about – you know, you prepared them and you got the guys out there fought their tails off. Yeah, with with, with uh, Zaquandre, excuse me. Uh, it seems like he's always had a lot of energy and enthusiasm. What does it say to you about him as a player and a person to be willing to not only have that positive attitude when he's third string running back coming in to compete for the job, but also go and, and move over to safety, switch sides of the ball on, on the drop of a dime like that? I love it. I told him yesterday when I met with him. I love, I love that kid because he's got heart. Uh, obviously, he wants to be the starting running back. Obviously, he wants to get a chance to get in the game and carry the ball. Uh, but that doesn't affect how he practices. You guys can't see practice. This guy's the best practice player we have. Uh, it doesn't affect his enthusiasm on the sideline. It doesn't affect how he you know, covers, covers kickoffs or covers punts. Uh, he wants to be there. Don't get me wrong. He wants to be that, but, but – he, he said, you know, I just – I want to do those things on special teams and, you know, try to, you know, to, to uh, you know, build the confidence up that, that Coach Kitchen to having me and you to having me to put me in the game at running back. I know I lost some confidence with, a, you know, a fumble and I'm trying to earn that back. And, you know, I want to be a running back, but if, you know, that's what we need, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. And I said – that's why I came to you. I want to get you on the field and have an opportunity to play. And now we got to see how these, you know, these two guys go. If if he's if he's going to go over there and we don't feel like it's a chance for him to play, uh, then you know he's gonna he's gonna come back. Because the worst thing you do is ask a guy to move, uh, and then the opportunity doesn't present itself on that side of the field. So, but main thing goes back to being honest and transparent with him, with what we think of him as a coach at that position. But as far as heart uh, and loving the game. Uh, He's the kind of guy you want on your team. All right, Shane. So, you know, based on those comments there from Coach Bobo, mm -hmm. I think I get, I'm giving South Carolina a lot better of a shot than I did once I started hearing about all these opt-outs. You know, I thought it was kind of a, this was going to be a give-up type game, but I think we're going to see some fight from the Gamecocks this weekend. What do you think? I think so. I, I think so, because you can use – you can use opt-outs as fuel. I, I really, I really believe you can. It's new leaders emerge in that locker room. They could, you know, it's it's all the way in or all the way out. That's that's the mentality you got to have uh, moving forward. Do it for uh, for a coach. Do it do it for Mike. Maybe it's not Bobo. Maybe it's something else that that's that's your rallying cry uh, to to move forward. But you know, this is a this is an opportunity. It's an audition for some of these other kids that didn't have the opportunity. And now they do. All right, so let's uh, jump on down to the other side of the uh, Columbia Fleece rivalry. <laughs> M I Z. Again, you know, I thought uh, South Carolina maybe was a team that, you know, falling apart here. And I'm not suggesting Missouri is, but you know, kind of the same thing we said about Auburn. I mean, these guys. We'll get to it here in just a second, but this is only like their third game in 40, you know, 40 some days here. So not only are they probably not that sharp, but they're losing guys because of COVID restrictions, because of transfers, because of they're on recruiting sanctions. 
Uh-huh. You know, only slight ones here. And scholarship reductions. And, hell, they just had another guy leave the program, announce his transfer, Shane. And he couldn't have picked a worse time because we talked about they're at 56 scholarship guys. Now they're down to 55. They've got suspensions, first half suspensions from that brawl at Florida. I mean, that seems like forever ago, but that was Missouri's Damn. last game. So, I mean, there's so much going up against Missouri. That's why I say this one. I don't know who how to handicap this one, man. Uh, it, you know, it is in Missouri, so no, excuse me, it's in South Carolina, so that's going to help the Gamecocks even more. I mean, what do you make of? Uh, I mean, how do you how do you even begin to try to predict what's going to happen in a game like this? Uh, you don't. There's there's a lot of factors, man. There is a. This is like I am steer. I mean, obviously, we're going to come out with our score predictions on this game. But real money, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to let all both these teams know off the hook that there will be no hundred dollar lock of the week on these guys, because I just have no idea what we're going to see from either side, man. Uh, you know, you've got a clip you're about to play here with Eli. Hell, I done forgot what he sounded like. It's been so long since he's been on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got suspensions from the Florida game. <laughs> just think about that for a second. That's how long it's been since these boys played. Now they should be healthy. You would think that would be a case, but that far removed from competitive football play, uh, that takes a toll, man. That takes a toll on on, on game playing, and uh, are these guys game shape ready? All right, well, let's kick it over to uh, Drinkaways. For anybody like Shane, forgot who this guy was. <laughs> so let's kick it over to him, Shane, who talks about uh, how thin this team is on the line of scrimmage, how they're even getting through practice with, that, with just not having enough guys, mm-hmm. how they're handling the layoff, and – I thought this was a hell idea on his last question here. Why don't we just uh, why don't we have walk-on tryouts and get some of these guys on the field? Eli, we found out after we talked to you last week that the defensive line was was the group kind of impacted um, by by contact tracing last week. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you're able to say how many guys are available in that group this week, but but regardless, my question is more so, you know, how, how do you feel like that group has has dealt with the challenge of having to to mix and match and move guys around? And because I know that's something that you know, they were do able to do relatively successfully earlier this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that group's just really resilient. Um, extremely proud of. Uh, the fight that this team continually demonstrates, you know, no matter what's thrown out at them, they continue to respond and, and, and toe the line and keep getting back up. And, you know, the defensive line's no different. You know, Jatorian Hansford was told this summer he was going to have season-ending surgery. And, and as of right now, I would anticipate that he's going to start against South Carolina. So, I mean, it, it's just one of those deals where every – Every day there's a new challenge and it's a new opportunity for us to, you know, practice our faith and mental toughness. And it's not about the outcome, but it's about uh, the person that we're becoming as we face these challenges. And our defensive line's done that. There's going to be opportunities for walk-ons to play. There's going to be opportunities for uh, everybody to contribute to our team's success. And, and that's what a team is. Uh, that's, that's why football is the greatest sport there is, because it's truly about everybody's individual commitment to a team effort. And uh, we're going to have continue to have those individuals committed to our teams. Hey, Eli, how do you kind of walk the fine line in practice this week, uh, knowing that you don't want rust to build up? And that's obviously a challenge from the, the schedule lately, but also knowing you're, you're right up against that player limit. Is there any strategies you employ there? I mean, it takes what it takes. It's a physical game. It requires physical, uh, you know, ways to practice physical so that you don't get um, – 
you know, shock when you show up to Saturday. So, I mean, each individual coach is going to be responsible for getting their guys ready and in their individual performances. And then, you know, you have to practice with speed, um, but you got to practice against each other in a smart, safe way. And, and we'll do the very best we can, but there's always, uh, there's always a risk in, in uh, how you practice. And we'll do the very best we can. Eli, specifically with, with your offense, when you have a layoff, um, what, what would be kind of the concern just kind of recapturing that rhythm that you, you can't have at game speed? And how, how do you, how can you simulate that? I got all kinds of concerns, Russ. I mean, we had problems dropping the ball, throwing it to the right people, getting through our reads quick, giving up sacks, spikes on the D-line, caused negative yardage plays, which resulted in a fumble. I mean, so we got all kinds of concerns. Instead of worrying about those concerns, we focused on our fundamentals. We need to improve. Uh, we need to work on throwing and catching the football. We got to work on getting the ball out on time. We got to work on, you know, our footwork in the run game, making sure our hands are inside, hat placements uh, where it needs to be. Leverage is great. You know, our tracks in the tailback position. So, you know, for us, it's an opportunity, like I told the team, it's an opportunity to gain valuable practice times. And you get that, you know, you get to choose uh, what your attitude is towards any type of practice. And you get to choose, um, you know, how hard you want to go and, and how good you want to be and what kind of advantage you take of it. And, you know, I've heard this a lot. It takes what it takes. It costs what it costs to be a great football player and, a, and to be an elite player. Uh, and you really can't afford to waste any opportunity or waste any practice reps. And so that was our challenge to our team. And I think they've responded well. Um, but obviously, Saturday is the, the test. Coach, I'm not sure if this is a silly question or not, but but can you I'll guys tell you if it is? <laughs> can you guys hold like a, a walk-on tryout to get potentially some some people that, that go to Mizzou to that might have played high school football? I don't know if COVID doesn't allow that, but is that something you guys have looked into to get more guys? That is not a silly question because that is a solution, you know, solution oriented. You're trying to help us find a solution. Um and, uh, you know, we did try a, a – we did have a tryout in January, which is where we got Boo Williams. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, maybe. Uh, but because of COVID and the COVID policies, that would – you know, we wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, you know, it would take a, a minimum of 14 days in a physical and to go through some of those things. All right, Shade. So maybe that's a good idea, but that's uh, not where you want to be as an SEC team with five games left of the schedule. You know, getting asked by the media, why why can't some of the Missouri students play for you? <laughs> I was like, I was thinking, what's that movie with the Eagles and uh, Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. It's like they're sitting there around at the bar saying, "I could do that." You know, <laughs> do you have any eligibility left? Get them down there. So I was, oh, I was always curious about that, Mike. If you were if you were a college program and obviously not Mizzou or anything like that, but you know, I, could you do something like that? Just recruit a whole bunch of old guys, kind of like uh BYU. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, just some guys, maybe military guys or something, you know, good football shape or something like that. And just never played college and just, uh, just bring them in, load them up. I give them one more shot. You know, I just wonder if that's even a possibility. Anybody's ever thought about that. Not saying it's going to happen, but I have heard stories, um, you know, there, there's one infamous one, Tennessee 
was needing a kicker and they went down, found one at the, one of the fraternity houses, you know, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so, uh, I, I love that concept. And if you're, if you're having trouble filling a roster, yeah, maybe you got some athletes. I mean, there's a lot of athletes on that campus that just probably didn't get a scholarship and would love the opportunity to play some college football. So load them up. All right, Shane, next matchup here. Let's uh, jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where, again, we got another one here. Massive, massive favorites, Alabama Crimson Tide. They're another one. It's not been quite as long, but they've been off two weeks as well because the LSU game was unable to be played, and there was a week off there. So, again, Alabama's a a team that, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of rest, and maybe they're a team that, didn't necessarily want that rest. They were playing so well. So now the challenge may be just staying sharp and staying focused because while they've not locked up their spot in Atlanta, you know, they know they're going to go there as long as they don't self-destruct. Yeah. So uh, what's the challenge here for Alabama going up against a Kentucky team that, you know, everyone's going to be picking Alabama. Even the hell, even uh, Mark Stoops family is expecting Alabama to win this one, but <laughs> we've seen it, man. Kentucky can, pick off passes as well as just about anybody in the SEC. They've got a ground game that, you know, just about any SEC team would be envious of. And these are the pieces that you need to spring a huge upset like this. Take the air out of the ball and and just force Mac Jones into some mistakes. Oh, Mike, you do this all the time. You know, you just pump them up, pump them up. But this is the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> Unless half the team comes down with the COVID this week, I, I don't know if there's a shot in hell for the Big Blue Nation. And it's nothing against what Kentucky's doing, but this isn't Saban's first row. This isn't the first time he's met a ground and pound. He he knows exactly what's coming to town, and and uh, these guys are going to be ready. I this is a this is going to be a tough tough battle for uh, for Kentucky. So. They definitely got to mix it up. I mean, if if they want to be competitive during this game, they got to do something absolutely, totally different, man. Ground and pound's great, but you got it. You're gonna have to surprise them. This is, I mean, you're gonna have. You better been holding back. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> and, and like all of a sudden, figure out how to throw the football when you get down there with them. So that's the only way I can see this game getting competitive is if it's just, you know, something totally different. And uh, let me ask you. Mm-hmm quarterback situation are you hearing anything in Kentucky I mean is there any it's, it feels like we've been in a quarterback controversy entire week, <laughs> our entire year with him but <laughs> I tell you I really loved seeing that young kid out there throwing man and it just it, it took me back to Tim Couch you know what I'm saying he just just is is that the style of offense that we're going to see this week or you you think we're just going to you stick with Terry because he's got the he's got the experience. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Against Alabama, I think you got to go with the experience because you, and and it's not even so much the experience, but you just don't want to put someone out there that will cost you the game. You know, Terry may not win it for you, but yeah. he's not gonna lose it for you. So, I so, I would be very so, surprised if they go in any other direction than Terry Wilson this week. So when they're down twenty one what you say 28 points then we'll see a quarterback change or do, do you think uh terry just stays in the whole time yeah that maybe maybe they get down big maybe that's the time when it's too late to do anything about i don't it. i i don't want to get big blue nation down i i'm just kidding i i'm just voicing their opinions i because i i got a lot of buddies up there and 
and I see it. They're 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 over Terry football, and uh, they're ready for the next chapter of their lives. And and uh, I'm telling you, you got a stud on that bench, and and he made some great throws last week. And you know, I'm sure he's got a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence. You know, I I think I know Alabama's a different animal, but it's still an animal you're going to have to face. So I, I just I don't know. I'd I'd like to get some easy. I'd like to get some of this young talent out there get these receivers involved because face it, buddy, it's, it's audition season for Kentucky. And if they're going to get some recruits to build around uh, that football team, they're going to have to show the nation that they can be two dimensional. Mm -hmm. Well, let's kick it over to coach real quick, who talks about uh, Kentucky's ability to run at the quarterback position and Najee Harris. To follow up on Kentucky's use of quarterback run, kind of describe the role that that has in their offense and how you think you've defended that so far this year. Well, you know, I think it, when the quarterback can run, it makes it like Wildcat. You know, there's always an extra gap um, because, you know, you don't really account for the quarterback, you know, in most basic things that you do on defense. So um, they do a good job with formations. They make you make a lot of adjustments. Uh, and you got to stay gap sound in everything you got to do, do, and you got to have, you know, enough guys in the box to account for the quarterback. Um, I don't think we played, you know, anyone this year that the quarterback um, actually sort of does, or they have as many quarterback runs as these guys are capable of. But some of it's as simple as just, you know, pulling the ball into zone read, uh, which you got to be very disciplined. Whoever's got the quarterback got to stay on the quarterback. So. Um, you know, this is a, a game which requires a lot of discipline from all the players. Everybody's got to do their job. It's a little bit like when you play option football. You know, somebody's got the dive, somebody's got the quarterback, somebody's got the pitch, uh, even though they're not really an option team. I think there's some of the same principles are involved in terms of how you stop their runs, their quarterback runs, their RPOs, and their passing game. Okay, yeah, Coach. What about Najee Harris's game makes him so good in the re in, in the receiving part of the game, and how does that ability help open up the rest of your offense? Well, I think it's always good that when you have a back that can play every down and is a very effective third down player. Uh, I think you know you probably all look at it like pass catching, uh, but Najee's very good in pass protection. Uh, so even when people blitz and he has to pick somebody up, it kind of goes unnoticed, but. Uh, he's got a really good understanding of the protections, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, uh, and can, you know, is big enough to block whoever's coming. And then to add to that, that we can free release him, and he's a really, really good receiver. Um, you know, it adds a dimension to your offense, and you know, I think running back and tight end is always the best matchups you're going to get, um, you know, on the defense. So um, he gets some good matchups, and he certainly takes advantage of them. All right, Chance of Saban never has much to say. That was the best I could get out of him this time. But, <laughs> you know, one guy, he he was asked about Mac Jones a little bit, but it was more about his recruiting and all that. And I, I'm kind of tired of hearing those questions. Mm -hmm. We've heard him 20 times over, you know. He did yeah. commit to play for Kentucky. He's a three-star. We all know the story. But, you know, with all this uh, attention – being thrown at Kyle Trask, and we're just as guilty of it, and and he deserves it because he's been playing so well. But is there is there a chance? I know I was just kind of pumping up Kentucky's chances. Is there a chance this is another one where I mean, Alabama gets kind of pissed off and and saying, man, there's a lot of Heisman buzz with Trask. 
let's remind them Mac Jones is a pretty damn good quarterback too, and maybe he lights lights up Kentucky here. Could. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. But I I do expect more of a vanilla game here, Mike. I, I don't I don't think Saban flexes. I think he's saving some of that Heisman Heisman run for the SEC championship when them two teams probably gonna be going face to face. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's uh, jump on down next to Lexington, Shane. And Mark Stoops, man, normally just kind of – I can barely sit through his pressers, to be honest with you. And it's nothing against mm-hmm. the guy, but he just shows very little yep. – <laughs> you know, he's so monotone, and uh-huh. I, I kind of never believe anything I'm damn hearing. It's kind of the same old, same old. But not this time, Shane. Uh-uh. He Someone got pissed in his Cheerios, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, his defense did, I'll tell you. And and maybe the lack of effort, lack of execution, and they sure as hell picked a wrong time to uh, get on Mark Stoops' bad side because we all know what Alabama can do on that offensive side of the ball. So maybe he's just trying to fire up his guys. But uh, let's you know, let's just stop talking about. It. Let's kick it over to Mark Stoops. He was, man, he was on one this one. Mark, you got into it. I mean, just Bama being such a challenge on both sides of you know there, there's really not a place to, to look for where you can kind of make some inroads you know just from their perspective with you guys there's been times where the offense has had it going and then the defense kind of has it going is is there anything that when you look at tape from the season why it's been the case that it's been so hard for both units to get going in, in one game uh yeah i agree with you and uh, if i had the answer to that um you know, I uh, would have a lot less stress on me. That's for sure. It's been hard uh, to put my finger on it. Um, again, I, I really love our players. I think it's a different year, and I, I'm not giving them an op. You know, uh, you can't give them a, a, any excuse at all. I mean, there there's no excuse. We need to to put it together. We need to play as a team. We need to play uh, the very best we can on all sides, and it doesn't seem like uh, we're doing that, and uh, that's very frustrating to me. Um, that that's not been uh, that's not the way it's been for us uh, for years, um, but it is this year. We're terribly inconsistent on one side or the other, and um, you know we've not put it all together. And uh, for a coach, that's frustrating. You have to look at yourself. You have to look at whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm doing uh, or or not doing uh, to to motivate them or to put them in a position to be successful. It's frustrating. And, um, you know, we need to can, – I can promise you this, it's not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of effort on our players. I think the urgency needs to be greater. Um, you know, the attention to detail throughout an entire game needs to be greater. Um, you know, I know defensively, you know, you, you, you just get – you know, for me, uh, there's no excuse. I sit there and watch us, and at times I see a group of young men that's just – they want somebody else to make the play. They want some – some miraculous call to stop the play coach you call something good so we can stop this play because I don't want to stop it I, I, I'm not going to make a play uh, I want my my neighbor to make a play but I don't want to make the play you know or I want to do my own thing I don't want to execute the defense I just want to do my own thing so I could get a stat that that's what I see and it's pissing me off to be honest with you Mark, the things you were talking about in the open there, being frustrated with the defense, those don't don't sound like necessarily easy fixes. How do you address those kind of issues? Is it personnel changes? It, how, how do you go about doing that when you're worried about guys it, making other plays? 
it could be fixed. It could be fixed with an attitude and a work ethic and a, and a great sense of urgency and a passion to play. It could be fixed. Believe me, the, 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 the challenge is going to be great. We all understand that. We're probably playing one of the greatest offenses you've seen in a long time. And uh, uh, then after that, you're going to see one just the same. What, what can Saturday's offensive performance do to, to build some confidence with, with the offense? Um, I, I just, you know, again, appreciate the hard work. As I mentioned, I felt like offensively for, the, you know, when we had the bye week, we went back, looked at some things, looked at some of the basics, uh, looked at concepts that were comfortable for the guys that we can execute. They've worked hard at it. I, th I thought offensively they all played hard and they played united and, um, you know, really had a lot more opportunities out there had we been able to play better defense and have able to have uh, more stops and not allow them to have 80 plays. Uh, you know, I think it really could have been a big day offensively. All right, Shane, so thoughts on that? I mean, maybe this is how he gets his defense to, you know, play a complete game going up against their toughest competition. I, mean, I think that's kind of what he's going for here. That's I, I, It feels to me like confidence, man. And, uh, you know, it's easy to look at Alabama and get the big guys and, 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 and feel like you're facing a giant. I'm sure they've got that mentality, and that's what's worked for them, man. Alabama rolling in. Uh, you, you've seen in the past, it, it, people play different. People make more mistakes when they're playing them because they're just so worked up that they're playing a great team. And that's, that's, that's just who they are. And I think that's what's coaches pissed about. Don't change who you are. Don't change what you do. Don't be afraid to, to, to buy in and, and be the one that makes the difference because, um, a lot of times, you know, you see a team like this, you you just want to be, I don't want to be the guy that messes up. I don't want to be the guy that lets Smith get behind me and scores an 80 yard touchdown. I don't want to be the guy that has to uh, tackle uh, Najee by myself and, and, and protect a, a game winning touchdown. That's, that's the mentality you can't have when you're playing this team. If you really want to make this a competitive ball game, man, you got to have a whole bunch of eyes on that team, and I know they said there's no eye and teeth, nobody. You got to have a bunch of them, and they got to work together as a team. Uh, so that's that's what I think's got to happen this weekend, and and just just sounds from just what we've heard from Coach that he didn't get it during this practice. All right, final game to preview, Shane. Let's jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. With Coach Mason hyping up Florida and Kyle Trask. Hell, it sounds. Looking like LSU and Joe Burrow, who he would know, man. He faced them last year, had to face LSU twice in, in two years here. So he's got a good idea of what he's talking about when it comes to that. And, of course, he sees Dan Mullen's Florida offense every year. But, you know, they've got some momentum on that offensive side of the ball. they got two quarterbacks playing well. they got a bunch of running backs. They've got Cam Johnson at receiver. Mm -hmm. Florida's going to score a million points on Vanderbilt, no doubt. But, you know, we've seen Florida's defense struggle. So we could be getting into, you know, a shootout style game here. And I don't know, Shane. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Uh, could, absolutely. Yeah, could get a shootout. So, um, and I hope it is, Mike. I really do. Because let's just face it, Vanderbilt's a lot funner. A lot more fun if they if they just let Ken cut loose, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's that's what I hope I get or we get, and uh, a fun exciting game. But 
buddy, that's a that's a tough program to 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 do it to. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, especially the way Florida's playing right now. But yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to hit on before we get to Mason's you, comments, real quick, law yes, firm. Have you heard anything from him? Is he going to be back for this one? It sounds like he is. So that's a great okay. news day because they're going to need all the ammunition they can get to get going up against the Gators. But yeah. that's that's another thing. I mean, just so much young emerging talent for Vanderbilt. No one's paying attention, but there's you know there's promising pieces there. But the big issue now with Will Muschamp gone, everybody's got Derek Mason circled. He's the, hot, the hottest seat in the SEC. So he was asked about that as well. Uh-huh. Let's kick it over to Coach Mason, who again he's. Uh, the, the questions are kind of hard to hear. He's asked about uh, Kyle Trask and Florida offense trying to slow them down on his offensive coordinator, Todd Finch, and you know why he wanted to bring that guy in from Louisiana Tech. And then on his uh, the status of his job, if, if he's had any conversations with his bosses there at Vanderbilt. First of all, good morning, Teresa, uh, to you as well. And when you look at Kyle Trask, um, you know, we faced a similar quarterback a year ago in Joey Burrow. Uh, and, and, and we faced Kyle um, in a year ago, too, down there. I think he's much better. I think he's got command of the offense. I think he knows where to go with the football. Um, he's probably got as talented a weapons uh, crew as you're going to see in the SEC, um, you know, from uh, tight ends to, to running backs to wide outs. Uh, his running backs have caught. Uh, like as many balls as a couple of their wideouts. So um, he's, he's really moving the ball around. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of credit to Dan Mullen and, 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 and that crew, uh, you know, for, for the quarterback development because he looks like a different quarterback this year. I mean, comfortable. Um, again, he, he, he's made very few poor decisions. And what he continues to do is, is put pressure uh, you know, on opposing defenses with, with how he manages the game. And that's really what we're going to have to, uh, you know, man, try to attack. Um, and we, we can't let him sit there in the pocket, but we also got to be smart enough to know and understand that that they are an explosive team and they're going to take shots. And um, a lot of their their skilled players have great contact balance. You know, when when you look at these guys, um, and there's a lot of run after catch. There's a lot of, uh, you know, missed contact. And that that's something, man, that we showed our kids early. Uh, something coming coming off of last week, man, where man, you got to scratch where it itches because they're a one-on-one team. When they get you in space, you got to be able to get guys down. And the best way to get guys down is population to the football. I, I I had um, an idea of who I wanted in the system that 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 I think would would best suit us, and I thought Todd was the perfect candidate for that. I mean, um, you know, he's been able to develop offenses uh, that or, or transition offenses from you know uh, run the pass, uh, you know, man, from from being balanced to 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 you know, man, being heavy one way or the other, you know, like depending on what the talent you know level in your program. Uh, you know, lend itself to. And I think that's what you've been able to see. Uh, you know, we've, we've been able to put the ball up. We've been able to, uh, you know, run the ball, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
pretty effectively and you know our play action game is starting to start it's starting to take hold so really what uh, you know, I came into this wanting to see is really what I'm starting to see. And that's a blossoming, uh, uh, you know, offensive line. That's a quarterback that continues to get better every game. And then the skilled players around them that are starting to grow up because they understand that 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 they're all targets. And so, you know, with that being said, it's, it's starting to provide a lot of balance. And what you're starting to see, uh, like with us in terms of time of possession, is that we're doing like the right things, the biggest thing is that we score points. And that that's that's sort of where we headed last week and that's the trend that we have to continue to to, to move towards. Now, haven't had any conversations with anybody. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I they know where I'm at, and I, I, I think at the end of the day, I got a great relationship with Dr. Lee. Um, she, she's been at most of our games, like this year. Tommy, uh, you know, like has traveled with us, you know, like, and, and, and had a chance to uh, pull back the curtain a little bit and, you know, see what this year, uh, you know, has had in store for us a little bit. Um, I talked with uh, – Chancellor Deermeyer, you know, at the beginning of the season and obviously through COVID continue to get updates about, you know, where we are. But, uh, you know, right now, I mean, I, I, I think they're letting me, you know, do my job and, you know, I mean, they understand week to week, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to put the best product out there that, that we can. And I feel, I feel comfortable, um, about, you know, like how, how I continue to lead this team and, you know, that, that's, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to go week to week. Uh, you know, I'm preparing. This week is Florida. Uh, and like I said, I haven't had any other conversations other than, you know, uh, our numbers and are we healthy and, and can we play this week? All right, Shane. So last time I checked, Will Muschamp said he was secure. <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> Me and Ray Tanner, we're having a good time. <laughs> and then the next, <laughs> next day, yeah, he was gone. So, you know, you got to take all these comments with a grain of salt, but just the fact that you're being asked it never – Again, you've hit on it, the 40, 40, 20. <laughs> 40 yep. want you out, 40 want, uh, want, think you're going to leave, and, and 20% are happy. And yeah. clearly Mason's on that 40%. Fans want him out. Yeah, that is the truth. And I just don't – Vanderbilt, different situation. Uh, we know who they are. We know what they're about. I, I, don't, I don't see Coach getting fired during the season like champ, but uh, – it wouldn't surprise me because you got to remember this, this athletic director didn't bring Mason in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that we've talked about this in years past, this is your first hire is always your hire. So like you, it's like, you always got that, that little Trump card in your back pocket. You don't want to fire the guy because you, you've got that buffer. A good athletic director can keep his job forever. If he's got good coaches around him and if he's got a coach that is starting to fail, like Mason is right now, you know, he hasn't pulled the Trump card, but when he does and he brings his guy in, now he's on the clock if that hire doesn't work. So um, I fully expect by the end of the season Vanderbilt to make a change, but not during the season. Do you? No, I think he, I think even he, I think he'll be back for next year. All right, Chad, so let's, uh, last thing here, let's jump all down to Gainesville. Florida Gators looking red hot, looking like a college football playoff team. Now, certainly there's going to be games that are going to test that. There's 
They're not in yet. They got a big mountain to climb, potentially in Atlanta against Alabama. But before, you know, they've got to not only look, you know, give proper respect to teams like Vanderbilt, but that's kind of hard when media members are asking you, how many points you going to put up? Are you, are you, <laughs> you worried about, uh, you know, having to score, you know, basically pick your score so that, uh, you know, you can impress the college football playoff committee. What's the challenge for the Gators? I mean, how difficult is that going to be to, to get up for this game? Uh, tough to get up. And then, and I think all you got to do is, is pull on that, that tape. What was it? A couple of years ago when it was what tied up at half. Yeah. Vanderbilt is playing better. Think about how many games they got back into here. The last, a lot of people are looking at that record and say, Oh God, Bainey's the worst they've ever been. You know, that's, I read that stats, the worst start since 1998, but it was all sec games guys. And uh, the last two, they played really tough. And I, I guarantee if you had a few extra minutes on the clock, that, that thing could have turned out a different way, especially during that Mississippi State game. So not comparing Mississippi State and Florida, but again, it's not it's not a team you can sleep on. And I know he's saying he doesn't want to run up the score. But I'm going to tell you, man, there are some, there's pretty wins, but there are some ugly wins as well. And if you have an ugly win during Vanderbilt game, that can hurt you. Because, yeah, I know you don't want to run up the score, but you don't want this thing to be a damn ball game going into the fourth quarter either, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach real quick, who talks about uh, you know the need to potentially have some uh, a style point win here. And uh, Kyle Trask, the command of his offense and you know the freedom they give him to, to excel on the field. He's asked about Todd Grantham and the defense. And then finally he threatens to wear a damn cheerleading outfit to – Get his team fired up here against Vanderbilt. Does style points matter? Do you, I mean, are you guys really looking to put the hammer down? That's probably more of a question. Them? That's probably more of a question for Scott than me because I'm not in the room. Uh, I I don't know. Style points matter. I'm I'm not into that. You know, I'm I'm into how are we making our team better. You know, I, I don't. I certainly don't want to be somebody that. Um, you know, I, I, we're we're in we're we're in a we're, you know we're up five touchdowns and we're in a two minute situation to try to go up six touchdowns, or I'm faking a punt up four scores, or you know what? Hey, we scored to go up twenty eight in the fourth quarter and we're going to go for two to try to instead of one. You know, I, that's not who I am as a coach. That's not what the program we want to be. That's not what I think the game of football is about. I think it devalues uh, some of the game, um, and it's not really what what in my mind what it stands for. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to worry about, are we getting better and, uh, are we improving more than me just trying to sit there and say, okay, can, can, can I try to run the score up on somebody? So I look better for, for, for a committee vote. Uh, that's, that, that's not what, we, what, what I'm all about. Hi, Dan, um, uh, following up on Trask, he, uh, he had his big moment two weeks ago. He waited for it. He did well. He was in the bright lights Saturday night. He stepped up. He seemed to get better. Could you speak about a couple of other features? Like, it looks like he's audible anymore, what I can tell. Talk about his check downs and talk about it more about him understanding his offense. Well, I think there's a lot. I mean, I think he does, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You know, we'll call multiple plays and he's got to check into one. 
want to, you know, check the play to the, whatever the best play is going to be we'll, when we call multiple plays. Uh, you know, he has obviously protection checks and ID checks within the run game, you know, ID and stuff, and so that make it look like that. He'll have some automatic kills where if they give a certain look, he'll kill and just, you know, change a play to something else completely altogether. Uh, you know, so he has the freedom to do a lot of that stuff out there on the field. Uh, you know, and some of, well, I guess freedom, I mean, he has freedom to call, you know, I guess he could change the play to whatever he wanted to change it to at any time during the course of the game. All I'm going to ask him is why he did it. And if he doesn't have a good reason, I'll tell him, don't do it again. And if he has a good reason, I'll say, oh, it sounds like a good idea to keep, you know, you have the freedom to go do that. Um, that also gets to the why you want to do what you want to do. Um, you know, and there'll be times on the sidelines you'll see him getting up and checking and do things. And Brian, I'm like, Brian, I'm like, I, like, I don't know what he's doing. You know, I mean, we'll figure out what he's doing. And um, sometimes it's for show, you know. I mean, sometimes he's doing all that stuff and really doesn't mean anything. Uh, so I think he just shows his maturity and what he can handle. And, uh, you know, and we put a lot on the quarterbacks, uh, you know, within what we do. And so um, – but, but uh, he, he does – you know, I mean, our, our question, you know, my question constantly to those guys are, can you handle what we're putting on you? And if something's too much, let us know. And then you have to have the maturity to come to us and say, hey, yeah, this, I, I, don't, I don't have this. You know, and it's, it's, it's a big difference between I don't have it on Monday or Tuesday and I don't have it on Thursday and Friday. You know, I mean, there's stuff Monday and Tuesday that he won't have yet, and then I'll come back and check by Thursday and Friday. I'm good. I got it. Um, you know, and then we monitor that. And if, you know, there's something they're not comfortable with, we just take it out of the game plan. To keep getting better every week in some fashion. Uh, just your thoughts, real quick, on Todd Grantham. We've talked about this a lot over the year. Uh, he has a different kind of defense, obviously, maybe a little more gambling style. His goal is to get knock out the quarterback, get him out of the game. That's so he'd like to do, not physically, but get him out. And yet, somehow or another, some people don't seem to grasp what he's doing. I don't, I'm not sure why. Once again, can you reiterate? Yeah, he played. We, we have a very we're an aggressive style defense, and don't mistake aggressive style defense for we're just going to blitz all over the place. Uh, we have an aggressive attacking style defense. I think we lead the SEC in sacks, or maybe we're, we're probably up there. Uh, we're going to get after quarterbacks, makes life difficult for for them, and. Uh, you know, and I, and I mean, I think Todd and the, and the staff, you know, do an excellent job of making adjustments, of changing things during the course of the game. Of even this year, you know, as like I said early in the year, we had we had a lot of newer faces in the in the, going into the season. Um, you know, and, and you look at, you know, midway through last season, we were okay offensively, and then we realized, hey, you know, we, we got these great receivers, we got our quarterbacks, and get them the ball, we can protect up front. We're going to go a little bit more of a pass offense. Uh, you know, we kind of grew into who we are. I think we're finding that defensively, and we've played a lot better, you know, now that I think they have a good grasp of what our defense and who we are this year uh, and what we're going to do um, that way. So, you know, I, I think Todd does a great job of, of having answers to questions that offenses are going to present. Um, yeah, if you look at the, the game last weekend, um, we gave up, you know, the, with the ones in the game, we gave up 21 points. Uh, with the twos, gave up 14 in the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game. Um, you know, but, but and, and that's great. We're going to coach those guys really hard because we don't know. You, you could be a play away from being on the field. you got to be ready to go. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that. And, and also you have to look at, I think there's, uh, when we go into games, we don't have, 
you know, everything's not completely separate at every game. You know, it's not like, hey, offense, you just do your thing. Defense, you just do your thing. There's a lot of discussion back and forth on how we need to get the game to go play out. Um, you know, and, you know, that, that was uh, – uh, we, we do that. So, I mean, I, I think people get – not always look at every aspect of how the game's playing out and what our plan was going into the game. Let's go ahead. Dan, would you mind speaking to the challenges of uh, getting a team ready for a 0-16? Um, how do you sell them on the, on the potential dangers of that if there are any? Yeah, well, I mean, there are because they're, you know, an SEC team, they're coming up. They, I mean, they've been, they've been, you see them continue to improve. You know, a team that, that, you know, I mean, almost beat Texas A&M to start off the year, seven-point game last week, outgained Mississippi State, should have probably, you know, won that game. Uh, and I, and last time we went there, we were down 21 to three. So there's a lot of different things you can point at uh, within this team and the talent within this team and how they play hard. Uh, you have to do that. But again, so you have you have that aspect number one, and then you have the aspect number two is if we want to be a great team, we have to get better. So not only you know does that that focus just on your opponent, that focus on yourself as well. Uh, and I, I and it, you know it. it if not, I guess I'll put on a cheerleading outfit and get on the sidelines and start, like, you know, trying to motivate us that way. But, you know, I mean, we only get 10 games this year. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and so you better be motivated um, for those opportunities and to get on the field and to go play and go make plays. And so uh, I don't – you shouldn't need any more motivation than that. All right, Shane. So I think, uh, you know, I don't want to overplay it, but I do think this is potentially – Dangerous spot for the Florida Gators. I really mm -hmm. do. Now, certainly expect them to win the game, but, you know, they mess around too much with Vanderbilt, particularly on the road here. It's going to be a, a weird atmosphere. They're used to be they're used to playing in front of large crowds. Hell, they played at Texas A&M. They're used to playing in front of huge crowds. Yeah. And there's going to be no one in the stands, so it's going to be all kinds of weird for the Gators. And this has got to be, you know, this has got – I don't want to say upset alert circling it, but it's just got, it's almost got like the snooze alert on this one, doesn't it? It definitely has that probability, Mike. And I, like I said, you, Florida is hitting on all cylinders. And, and one thing they've done with the Mizzou game, one thing they've done with the, I mean, just every game they played the last two, three weeks here, it's just been a hundred miles an hour. And, I don't want to see let up. The fans don't want to see let up. The college playoff committee doesn't want to see let, let up. So, um, yeah, it could get ugly, and I expect a, a vanilla offense played, but there's so many damn weapons on that Florida Gator offense that even if you do play it slow, a five-yard run becomes an 80-yard touchdown. So I, I still expect plenty of fireworks in this game. Um, I just don't expect a lot of extravagant play calling. Oh, my worst fears were just confirmed here too, Shane. I looked it up. I thought this was the case. This game, not only is it a noon game, yes. it's 11 a.m. Central. So this is going to be – Gators going to be playing even earlier. I mean, who in the hell – I don't even know what time you got to get up for something like that, like 5 a.m.? No, no, they 10, you know, throws. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I mean, this is just, this is just adding to what I just said. I mean, this is a game where I, I need a, I need a weather update. <laughs> yeah. Where's their SEC weather? 
We're going to have to be looking at the weather. We got to see what time the Gators wake up. This has got, because I think the spread is like 30 something points. This has got uh, upset special written all over it with the spread, of course, is what I'm talking about here. And hell, we're getting all this Kyle Trask for Heisman buzz. Of course, I think I said a lot of the same things against Ole Miss, and then they went out and beat them like 56 to 10 or whatever it was. So who knows? I mean, Florida, maybe they'll just open up another whoop, uh, can of whoop ass here. But uh, I, I've got my eye on this one, Shane. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I made it almost through the whole pod without saying it. All right, buddy. Hey, we did a long one there. We ran down all these damn games. Um, you got anything else before we hop off here? I do got a little NFL news. Uh-oh. Cousin Shane victory. It all deep ball. Metcalf got it. Touchdown, Seattle. Second down and three. Big hole. Edwards Alaire will take it to the end zone. Clock is at one. They do. Off they go. Catches make it to first and a lot more. Julio Jones out in front. He's going to go all the way. Touchdown. Rose intercepted. It's picked off by Mika Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick is going to go. This one, Mike, I'm going to make it real quick. I know the listener's been on here. This is this was a long podcast, but mm-hmm. I got to mention some of the studs we had last weekend. The first one I want to bring up, just as an honorable mention, uh, but my man, Nick Chubb, back Ooh. from the dead. Yep. He was uh, injured reserve for a long time, came back against the, the, the Texans, and had a hell of a ball game, 19 rushes, 126 yards, and a touchdown, securing that victory. And what was funny is, uh, well, not funny if you're a gambler, but (laughs) this thing, you know, they had a three-point lead going into this thing. Nick Chubb breaks one down the sideline at the very end of the game and steps out of bounds at the one-yard line to to make sure that they can melt the clock. So he did a great team thing, but there was a lot of gamblers that were upset of Nick Chubb stepping out at the one-yard line. Oh, yeah, I know. That was bad beat of the year right there. Yeah, I, I mean, but that, that that's good. I mean, he's a team player, so I can't get I can't get too mad. Plus, he wasn't on my fantasy team, so I can't get mad that I didn't get the extra points, you know, and I wasn't going so. But anyway... <laughs> A couple of, so I I wanted to mention him as an honorable mention. Like I said, I'm going to make this one a little bit quick. Uh, Third spot, speaking with Georgia, uh, another running back, DeAndre Swift, having a hell of a game. And I didn't know which, which, the thing was, the the Detroit game was, was, ended up being like, it was a weird, it was a tell of two halves. Like it, it took off, 
Detroit wasn't looking back, and then all of a sudden the Lions were like letting them sneak back in this thing. It came down to a field goal with zero seconds left, mm-hmm. uh, but they were able to secure the victory, and a lot of that had to do with the legs of one DeAndre Swift. 16 rushing attempts, 81 yards. He also had five receptions for 68 yards and a touch. Uh, Swift was everywhere. I almost put uh, – uh, uh, Stafford Stafford in there. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was like, you know, that's another Georgia boy, another good game. But uh, I just thought DeAndre Swift deserved this one. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Number two comes from University of Alabama. We got Josh Jacobs had a hell of a game for the Raiders. 21 rushing attempts, 112 yards, two touchdowns. He also had four receptions, 24 yards, so 130-something yards total offense. Josh Jacobs could not be stopped. I mean, he just looked extremely and, – and he's had a couple of these games in the past, but it was just nice to see the Raiders lean on Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most uh, versatile players, certainly, in the NFL. Absolutely. Last but not least, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, Shane, come on. How many times can he be on the <laughs> list? But I'm telling you, the guy is just a machine. And if I removed the names and told you somebody had eight rushing attempts, 15 yards for two touchdowns, but also seven receptions, 83 yards, and one touchdown without the quarterback, the Drew Brees is out, His ribs are jacked up. You'd say, man, that that's awesome stats. Who is that guy? Well, that's Tennessee running back Alvin Kamara. Another fantastic game. Put the team on his back. Uh, so that's my number one. Um, that's the list, Mike. So like I said, I was going to make it short and sweet. We had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I guess I could mention one more honorable mention. Yeah, go for it. This one here. We got time. Uh, okay. This one, DeAndre Baker. All right, is back in uniform. Okay, so he didn't play this week. But Bleacher Report sent out a tweet earlier today, and I read it, and I thought it was crazy. The unreal timeline of DeAndre Baker. First round pick, 2019. Played 16 games for the Giants. Accused of four counts of armed robbery. Cut by the Giants. Cleared of all charges. Opposing lawyer charged with extortion. Reportedly joins the reigning champion Chiefs. That is the timeline for DeAndre Baker. So he's back on the field, and uh, it's good to see him back in uniform, Mike. Hey, so it all worked out. It all worked out. (laughs) You'll have a hell of a book after this one, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, buddy, that was a long one. I think let's cut it short here. Um, But uh, we got a Picks podcast coming up on Friday. That'll be a good one. We finally got some, uh, you know, a long list of games. It feels like it's been a while since we've had that. Fingers crossed that all those games get played, and there's no indication that they won't be, so that's good news. But, uh, hey, thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go ball.
I got less than a minute. You? Me too, but it says PS5 consoles out of stock for the day. Motherfucker. I think oh. I think we just got in a queue for no damn reason. I don't know why we jumped in here. I didn't even read that down there at the bottom. Yeah. You know, PlayStation's about to lose a lot of business with this <laughs> bullshit. If you ain't got it, don't put it out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm being redirected to the site right now. Out of stock. This is fucking bullshit. You know, if I got a sign that says warm apple fritters inside <laughs> and I sell out of apple fritters, you know what I'm going to do, Mike? I'm going to turn off the fucking sign. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do so people don't come in and get pissed off I don't have apple fritters. Yep. Jeez. Damn Sony. All right. Sorry about that. Wasted all that. But it's okay. 